Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Deadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamper and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're <laughs> sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We're not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2 but Oh! AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and round of the week complete with the Bleager Quiz, of course, on WrestleCoach. As I said, they're joined by Havlitt and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw and a very chaotic episode. Yeah, I enjoyed this Raw because uh, WWE did one of their favourite little cheat codes, and it took me back to a time when they thought they were doing it and nobody was buying what they were selling. Do you remember a Raw we reviewed where you, your big lead in Wilborn yes. to us was, uh, is Seth Rollins the new Stone Cold Steve Austin? And we yeah. just, we would not take it. No, not by a million, million miles. But the idea was, is that once upon a time, Steve Austin was so over that you could drop him into about six different segments doing pretty much the same thing. And the fans would just, yeah, because like it was... Like a bounty on his head or something, wasn't yeah, he? he was it, like paranoid, jumping everyone, attacking people with chairs. They would come up with reasons why it would happen, but it would generate noise and enthusiasm and excitement because it was an overact. They were trying it with Seth Rollins, who was... Not an overact, <laughs> and it like, and that's how it came across on television. They did it here with Double Line, who are an overact, and as yeah. a result, it did energize. I thought this show. Um, there were lulls, there were a couple of disappointments, but on the whole, the decision to have the Bloodline dominate this thing, I think, was for the betterment of the broadcast. I didn't have a bad time with this. I couldn't tell whether it was just too cheap, far mm. too cheap, and out of character for the Bloodline, who don't really portray like active antagonist like dickhead bullies. This felt a little bit out of character, but if I'm applying my headcanon generously, maybe the idea of the specter of John Cena, like trying to like be the biggest star, is just flapped Roman. And he's like, no, no, no. Rattled, isn't it? Rattled. He's rattled. Mm. I like it when Roman gets rattled as well because they earn him being rattled because he's otherwise so unbelievably like unflappable and cool. Despite the alliteration, because I know it's not something you're a fan of, Roman Reigns rattled. Not that's not your thing, is it? Yeah, I didn't do it on purpose because only dickheads do alliteration <laughs> on purpose. We all know this. Um, half with half cut hacks. Yes. Yeah. What about your new one from uh, from SmackDown? Oh Jesus Christ! They put they did that thing where like, and I lived this life in two thousand and five. But uh, Sammy's dressing up was his regular clothes, t shirt, and blazer. 
And I did the blazer with a t-shirt in indie clubs in 2005 and looked terrible for it. But in 2022, there's just no place for it, is there? No, not at all. I was referencing it something different, actually. That okay, well, that's it. Bo hey, Dallas's Poison Chalice. Oh, yeah, the Poison Dallas of Bo Dallas. <laughs> when Sorry. it happens, I'll bury it. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't tell if it was out of character. Obviously, it was cheap and desperate, and we got a, like one of the worst raw mm. um, ratings for like well over a year last week. So let's do something. Let's get Roman on the show. Let's suggest that he might come into it later. Did he say he wasn't there? No, no. There Clearly was, pre-taped. But yeah. yeah, yeah. It was weird that as well because yeah, they never advertised that he was going to be in person, but it was very clearly done from the same set they were at with SmackDown last Friday. So it's like, well, if you watched, you know, he's not getting out of that chair. It was a bit. Bit cheap, that. So I think it was cheap because I didn't say that. And also the idea of, oh, we're going to be in every segment. It's the one really over thing on the show. So, of course, it was all over this show in response to the rating drawn by last week's show. So I get it. It's absolutely fine. It's what you do. I'm not going to sit here and go, they shouldn't want a better rating. They should. Mm. They should get more stuff over. Yeah. Explain to me who some of these characters are. An idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But regardless, I would have had more time for it had they not... Because the heels showed ass in the end. Mm -hmm. They were complete dickheads. They showed ass. They got what was coming to them, which sets up further splinters within the bloodline, okay? I would have had more time for it had the Usos losing would have resonated as a big shock, but they kind of lose all the time, so it's just... It didn't really work for me. Particularly when they've got a match in the can against Hit Row. As funny as it is... Oh, yeah. As funny as it is and as harsh as it is on Hit Row, like... Oh, they've done the job there. They're obviously not going to do it again. Yeah. And they're not going to be credible for this pre-taped thing that they could have been for Hit Row to, like, give them something in defeat because who have you beaten? You've got, like, Kevin Owens working his way through. Like, he's beaten Jimmy. He's beaten Jay now in this idea as well. He's earned his way back to Roman Reigns two years later and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I... There's, there's an order. This is a hierarchy in Hit Row are way, way, yeah, way... Yeah. You can't even I see I like that. It. I had a lot of time for that. That's quite funny. That sideways it? burial... Yeah, the Usos. I remember, and again, I'm going to draw the AW comparison. I don't give a toss. When the Young Bucks lost to Eddie and Penta, it was like, whoa, whoa. I didn't mm. expect them to not really establish tag team. It was the right time to do it, but that felt like an event. And be- preceding All Out 2021, it was like, we have to do the cage because these arseholes are just getting away with it and winning every single time. And great matches as well. It's time to bring this to a close. It didn't really feel like a giant slaying or a big right shock that resonated. But, you know, it was tactically pretty good. Mm. I really enjoyed this role. Uh, it was, yeah, sort of Attitude Era-esque, but also in the fact I was like... Attitude Era light. Yeah. One might say. But it was also like, don't do this every week because this won't work. And, you know, the multitude of like... You know, what was... They, they, I kind of allowed for the what was going to be the main event because... They had Becky. They did have Becky and Bailey to come, and they presumably just went. Oh, no, swap that round. If if I'm going to nothing wa- round with something. Yeah. So what was going to be in place? They had a nothing reserve match. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't they have a did. standby they match. Had a standby match. They didn't. What, what was? No, when did? Where did he hear it? Uh, Mike, I can't reveal my sources, mate. So you know. I know his sources. Well, I know why. Say, let's just say my sources go. Well, do I? <laughs> the Titus O'Neil on record told you that there was a standby match. I can't reveal who he said that. But you're very... Huh? I reckon class was going to be in session with Andre Chase. Mm. Oh! Teachable moment! Teachable moment! Unfortunately, because... Who's Andre Chase? Because of the bloodline. Well, to take an Andy Murray Why take, should I care that he's been beaten up? Who's Andre Chase? 
Andy Murray was across this morning. His office he was like, uh, "Who's Johnny Gargano?" I still don't know who he is. Who is this? Uh, who is this? Uh, uh, Juan Chena. They keep mentioning <laughs> on this graphic because Roman Reigns seems pretty rattled by him. And I, I I'm going to need some more information on who this guy is if I'm going to care about this match. Where are those people today? Yeah. Where, where are those people? Who's this? I kind of. I've heard he's got a past. But uh, I need more. I need something clearer. He literally me. hasn't wrestled this year. Yeah, who, who, is it? who yeah. can it be? Uh, but I had a lot of fun because there's bloodline all over this show. Uh, I particularly liked the bit where they attacked Elias and said, well, this is going to be a solo performance. And then Solo twatted him with his own guitar. Sammy's in. Simple stuff, isn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, simple things, please simple, mind yeah. <laughs> Sammy's in. Finding that funny in the little selfie videos is good. I also like love... laughing along with it. I love the, the awkwardness of like, right... We're going to do, you're filming yourselves. Clearly they're not. Clearly they've put their hand underneath a proper camera. Because didn't see when, anything like that in the uh, MGFC and Punk Fu, did you? Was, <laughs> so maybe that was the best story of the year. It was like, they were like, oh yeah, we're filming ourselves. And then like the end of the thing, it's like, right, let's pretend Jay's now, or Jimmy's now putting the phone in his pocket. And basically just, you can, I can only imagine a cameraman just going, are we off yet? That's basically what happened. Absolutely pathetic. I hate uh, it now. Had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so the show opened uh, with Paul Heyman welcoming us to Monday Night Raw. Uh, all the belts on him. So if you just tuned in for the first time, you've got Paul, Paul Heyman's doing well for himself. <laughs> uh, he introduces himself and he introduces uh, my tribal chief, of course. Uh, and uh, Rain says, Raw's the home of Kevin Owens, who's been trying to crash the island of relevancy. Uh, not only that, but he's gone and got himself John Cena as well. Uh, he says, Kevin, you need, you're going to need that a lot more than that. You're going to need the entire Raw locker room to have you back. You interfered in my business, and now I'm going to return the favor and show you what I've got at my disposal. Everyone will acknowledge the bloodline. And this was the first bit, yes, where we cut to uh, a camera where... A camera being, sorry, a camera phone, being, definitely, being held by one of the Usos while Sami Zayn and uh, uh, beat the crap out of some security guards and Mustafa Ali, who's having a rough <laughs> year. Uh, I think he gets uh, Samoan Spike to close it off, and they say, right, good work, boys. Let's go get the rest of them. Uh, and then we got the first match. It was the Street Profits versus the Judgment Day, represented here by Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Uh, Dominic would have wrestled, considering he's the best member of the uh, Judgment Day, but unfortunately he still had that eye issue from last week. More on that in a bit. Get well seen, Dominic. But uh, as this match is starting off, yes, they cut backstage, and now they're fighting uh, Andre Chase, star of NXT. NXT preview coming your way a little bit later on today. Uh, they did say he was going to work on main event, apparently. I liked that. I, I honestly didn't mind it. On main event, now, I, I don't watch it. I'm not going to be one of them weirdos that pretends they do. Uh, they're bringing in, like, NXT people most weeks at this point. Yeah. I, I did tune in for the Von Wagner week. I'll, I'll turn in for the stars. Um, do you know what we're getting this week? Not that, that like you say, not we're going to watch it. But um, Mustafa Ali versus Axiom. Right. That'll be a banger. I, I, I might try and make some time for that, actually. That but... They're doing this every week, and they're seeing this main event as this bridge from NXT to the main roster. Um, so I quite like that that detail was mm. dropped. It was Corey Graves, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like, oh, we got him for main event this week. It's just, it's it's not quite the, uh, who the hell's this bloody Andre Chase? I need the information fed to me. But I like the idea that the wider 
WWE universe is sort of making sense in that respect. Like, you can't expect... Von Wagner was there that week. He, he broke up the Brock Lesnar fight, didn't he? He got some FaceTime with yeah. Brock. Yeah. Like, I like the idea that, that there's now going to be these people that, if you never watch on Tuesdays, it doesn't really matter, but that's who these people are, like, lingering around the scene, and one might get a call up one week. Yeah, I find it confusing. If you're not... <laughs> if you're not one of our... Um, I'm Ameri- really confused by it all. If you're not one of our American y- listeners and you're unaware of the situation, the, the hierarchy now apparently goes uh, Yale, Dartmouth, and uh, Chase U is third, apparently. We're a Harvard. Harvard below Chase oh, U. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that happens early on in the match, and then I think we go to a break, and we come back. Uh, Dawkins is running wild. He's been sensational since the Street Brothers have returned. Cleans house, uh, but Priest gets him south of Evan Chokeslam. Ford comes in with a beautiful frog splash to break all this up. Um, and then Balor drop kicks Ford into the corner. Um, but um, as he's done that, and it looks like he's setting up to, to hit his finish... He gets distracted because Akira Tozawa's come out with the Street Profits. He's got into it with uh, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley, Mammy, of course. Uh, and he goes to chuck his his cup, his drink, in Rhea Ripley's face. She ducks, and things just go from bad to worse from Dom. He could barely see anyway, and now he's got some... What is it? Viscous liquid? Yeah, viscous acidic liquid. Yeah, chucked in his face. That also Vodka or gin or something. Yeah. Ooh, it will sting. It's sticky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he, he sells it brilliantly, as only Dominic Mysterio can, uh, and Ford gets rolled up by... Uh, sorry, Balor gets rolled up by uh, Montez Ford for the win, and they hightail it out of there. So I thought this was a super little match, actually, mm. and not in that way where those, those WWE ones just happen. I did genuinely enjoy it. I'm really enjoying having the Street Profits back. Their time away was very useful in making me enjoy their in-ring again. Judgment Day, brilliant. Just love the act, so I quite enjoyed the daft cartoon finish. And... Um, I thought it dictated the pace of this Raw, that we had a match just opening the show that had been advertised, that we could talk about, think about, speculate on, and then just have happen. And it occurred to me that they'd done the cold open with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman because they're just obsessed with somebody welcoming us to Monday Night Raw. That's maybe the answer to making Raw feel a bit more dynamic. Is well, a wrestling match. A wrestling match. States welcome. Yeah. Stealing... I'll take. Stealing the, the format of Dynamite just starting with an opener by having a wrestling match. Like, the cold open almost taking place before the credits is WWE's little compromise. We must have somebody talk first. Jesus Christ. How are they going to know that Raw's on unless they have somebody welcome into a Raw? Well, the big credits will probably do it or the massive time front that says Raw. But in their mind, we're so stupid that you need somebody to do that. But that happening in a way that didn't feel like it got in the way mm. made for a nicer start to the show. Um, WWE did some basics and I preferred the show for it. I really liked this match. I had a lot of time yeah. for it. I liked the way that Priest, um, having hit South of Heaven, got like unfolded, if you like, um, with that frog splash. Oh. It was a really cool swing of dramatic momentum. Like, a really good spot in and of itself. Added to the just action-packed excitement of a brisk, really nicely worked opener that you, it was almost impossible to dislike this. I have this thing, I keep telling you, like uh, a fog when I watch WWE because I hate the commentary. Because I hate the way they patronize me. Because I hate the various production and techniques and narrative tropes and the like decades plural of <laughs> investment in this is not your thing and they won't give you what you want. I have that fog when I watch it where it just seeps into my experience and I just can't shake it. They shook it because it was really good, really brisk, didn't outstay its welcome. Street Profits rule. Um, Judgment Day, I'm not as high on them as you two are, but ultimately that act works. Didn't really work in the next bit, but it usually works. Oh, 
well, I get to a point that it really worked for me the next week. So, yeah, post-match, Rhea Ripley's furious. She storms up the ramp. She attacks Tazara. He falls down. She's like, right, let's have a bare-knuckle fight then. And he's like, no, I'm not going to fight a woman. And then the street prophet has to be like, come on, you got that dog in you. Get in there and fight Rhea Ripley. It's all a bit weird. But, uh, yeah, he gets in the ring. The the, the bell rings. And, uh, yeah, it's a weird uh, match because, obviously, Tazara's not going to exchange strikes with Rhea Ripley. He doesn't really want to fight her. I think he hit her with me. I think he went for a suplex. He hit her Hurricane Rana and he missed a senton. I think that was the three vaguely offensive things that he did because Ripley just sort of dominated him. You know, she's going to kick most people's ass, but if you're trying not to fight her and she's desperate to kick your ass, she's, it's double how much she's going to whip you behind, basically. Uh... So, yeah, Tazawa, like I say, he hits her with his Hurricane Rana, and it looks like he's going <laughs> to go for a suicide dive. And he psychs himself up, and he runs to hit the ropes. Finn Balor trips him, and, he, like, just how jacked he is. He flexes, and he goes, yeah, <laughs> like that. He took the piss out of himself in the match in the corner with something similar as well. You know what, like, we all hated Tongue Demon. Yeah. And then screaming jawbreaker demon in NXT. He did this version of himself where he went, Eah! but he's like, I was like half Fonzie from Happy Days. He's like, yeah, mock yourself. And I like that more than yeah. I ever did when you were being earnest with it and smashing Kyle O'Reilly about in the grim Capital Just Wrestling Center. Made me start laughing. Yeah, you <laughs> tricked Akira Tazawa. What are you so chuffed? Great in this role, yeah. Balor. Locked into it, isn't he? Uh, Locked in. So the Street Brothers take out both Balor and Priest with dives. Uh, Tazawa dodges a charge from Ripley in the corner. She posts herself, falls down. Looks like, oh yeah, Tazawa knocks Dom off the apron, who's just bumping all over the place. Uh, goes up top, misses the senton, gets up, gets immediately caught by Rhea Ripley. Riptide, one, two, three. Was not expecting an intergender match last night. No, and I think they were hoping that how unexpected it was would make for the, the drama. Fans were into it, because I think they're, just in, they're quite enjoying the judgment day. It was botchy and clunky, even when it wasn't because they were trying to work around what they could and couldn't do. Mm. Like there was a couple of miscommunications here that, like, we're, we're going to take anybody out of it, I think. I don't think I'm unfair in picking those out. And it's just, I get why they experiment with this from time to time. And I don't mind them even walking the tightrope of what they can and can't do within the rules of it as well. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think this worked out. What they wanted to do here was basically establish that Rhea Ripley's hard enough to beat anybody. But you got more out of that when she power-slammed Gallows than you did in a full, yeah. straight-up match against the Kira Tozawa. Uh, ultimately, and this is not a knock on Rhea Ripley, but it takes a star of incredible magnitude to pull something like this off, almost as if Sasha Banks is worth the money, because when she did this with Reggie in the Thunderdome, it kind of worked in spite of itself. Just doing the things where you can't hit her, but can you fly around and make Hurricane Ranas and little ex physical exchanges work without man-on-woman violence? They didn't achieve that here in the way I remember that they did back in 2020. I would disagree with that statement quite vehemently, yeah. actually. Okay. Ooh. I don't want to go into the ethics of intergender wrestling. Not only, I don't like it personally, okay? I just simply don't care enough about the debate to yeah. summon... Because it gets quite murky as well, doesn't it? People have very steadfast takes. Oh, yeah, I can't be arsed with this. Yeah. I cannot be arsed with this. I saw people saying, oh, Candice Ray must be well excited seeing this intergender wrestling. And I was like, did you watch the match? Because mm. they're not going to... This isn't like, well, this is the start of something. They've no. opened the, the floodgates now. So without getting into the uh, specifics of why it's good and or bad or whatever, I'm not a fan of it. Okay. 
but objectively, it always gets a pop. You can see why mm. people go for it, right? Mia Yim slamming, who was it? Oh, uh, was it? No, was it Finn Balor? Finn Balor. Yeah. Huge pep. Stephanie McMahon eating the one bump when someone was like, oh, I'm going to bump you off the apron through a table, but I didn't mean it, and that's how we're getting away with it. Always a huge pep. The I Jackson the Rumble. Nia Jackson Rumble, like, in agenda wrestling, like, 99 times out of 100, gets a huge pap. This match was a sloppy jalopy son of a bitch. Like, there was... <laughs> it was sloppy. There were moments where I was like, what is Dean? He's, this has completely gone off the tracks. And it's weird, because Akira Tozawa, like, you can do comedy. Not funny stuff, I'm saying comedy. Like, nominal comedy. And Rhea Ripley rules. So I was surprised that this mm. was such a failure in and of itself, because it's such a... I think it's a fail-safe, personally, in the gender wrestling. It always gets a pop. Mm. Oh, I've seen... I've Rarely does it not, in my experience anyway, even if I personally am inclined not to give that much of a toss about it There's an odd old-school quality to it, because they tease out not a lot happening, and then a tiny thing happens, and it gets a massive response. Yeah, like it's like an old guy working a headlock or something. Yeah, like yeah. The, yeah, it's, it, he leans on that... Like, give them less and achieve more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this must have been a complete monumental failure because it didn't even do that. Then again, this crowd was probably particularly bad, even by the WWE standards. Des Moines, Iowa, where they were last night. Mm. And uh, yeah, didn't have enough uh, or a lot of time for this as a result. But guess what? Even though he's losing it in the gender wrestling matches and he's clearly the butt of the joke still, thank God he's not in a ninja girl's gym. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've taken the costume off him, but he's still a joke he's character. Wacky, yeah. So let's. Mm. Yeah, that's like fair. Like, I like that they're giving Rhea Ripley this, like, committed a push. But does she beat Montez Ford in a similar athletic of contest? She I don't think so. Still a dual character. Yeah. Whether he's in a ninja costume or not. Uh, Postman Pierce is furious. He's having a nightmare of a night. Uh, backstage, leaving a voicemail for Paul Heyman. Kathy Kelly wants to ask about what's going on with the bloodline and also Bobby Lashley, who got fired. Um, and then unfired, as you pointed out on the preview yesterday. This show doesn't, WWE doesn't get anywhere near enough daggers for how crap it is. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, he said, like, I want to keep it private, um, but we... Speaking of daggers for how crap it is. Carry on. Tick to walk. Tick to walk. Uh, Pierce wanted to keep their matter private, but said that he met at the HQ, and that he, Lashley's going to be back soon. What? Just suspend him then. Like, at least it's not... It's, can't even respect them for the ratings grab because they just kind of said the day after on social media, yeah, he's not fired. Well, mm. Suspend him. Absolutely pathetic. If you're going to do a hollow ratings grab, commit to it. MVP wants a word, but oh then... Oh, my God, I hate business. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I Oh, my God, I, I want to hear business to reform me. Kids, kids in Nando's were the first people I thought about when I saw that. Why well, so you can watch them work Apollo Crews for literally every single week for three months. Hey, hey, hey. And that time they inexplicably turned babyface for a week to beat Retribution. They looked great in suits. That was it. Yeah. It's the most superficial thing of all. I liked time. when they hired that cameraman specifically to take photos after they <laughs> belts or something. Screenshot on the main event next week of uh, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin passing each other in the corridor. MVP kicked my ass. Mm. Was actually getting his job back. Think about. Uh, Imagine right. You know when you were like when DVD market was still really strong. They released these like bio DVDs. And you have like this career of uh, Mankind and Chris Jericho and The Rock and Austin and Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen and you know the rise and fall of ECW and all this great stuff that's actually great. Three discs. Can, three discs. Disc was just matches, wasn't it? That, Th third, that third disc, disc yeah. was just matches. of All these great like classics from these legendary superstars and people need to calm down with the adjectives. 
with their word use and their word choice and that and that being discerning taste. Because imagine what that her business thing would look like. They'd have to share the uh, label with Apollo Crews because it'd be his three disc set as well. I'd <laughs> just be like, oh, same set, actually. Uh, so, yeah, someone runs in and says... Uh, that cage match thing, I remember you highlighted that. And it was must have been something like 13 entries in a row where they shared the same cage match oh, entry The way 2020 I, and 2021. 2022, right. If you look at the cage match of Apollo Crews and the Hurt Business, it's just a page. Just a page. <laughs> and I described it as a house show that took place in one venue in front of no fans. That was like the house yeah. show loop when you mm. see Cage. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He was working him all the time. Oh, yeah, house shows. That's what it looks like, except there were no house shows. Because it was in the, every it was week. The lonely loop. <laughs> Bals deep in the worst bit of the pandemic. Uh, someone goes, Mr. Pierce, there's been an, another attack backstage, and we turn up and see Sean Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, and Dolph Ziggler. Let's fire the bloodline then. <laughs> being, uh, being checked. Or fire them, then a day later... Say they're not fired, and then just say oh, they've gone away for a while. So they're infractions. No, because when people come in and destroy stuff, they get offered WWE contracts. Remember Retribution? Come on, there's there's canon here. We're now raw exclusive superstars. <laughs> we committed to the Red Brand from Survivor Series. Uh, and then she's and anyway, Kathy Kelly's there and she's like, "Oh, my bloody neck." She says, "Oh, Dolph, what happened?" He went, "Bloody bloodline. That's what's happened." Didn't he look pathetic here? No. Damn bloodline. Do something about it then. <laughs> Didn't do a single thing afterwards. Probably just probably just get out of here for the night. <laughs> well, my work here is done. <laughs> you didn't do anything, Dolph. Didn't I? Didn't I? Didn't I? I'm going to have to tell some jokes. Sir. There were 20,000 people in that venue. There were no 20,000. Did that night. Did that night. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of them could actually do stand-up. <laughs> then it was the OC versus Alpha Academy. Skip. Skip. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, Mr. Moonsault hit him with a magic killer and then Bloodline kicked him all, all their asses anyway. Uh, enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it. I love Papa H. People always say on this, oh, can you stop talking about AEW on the uh, on the no. WWE Raw? It's my review. podcast. Uh well, here we go. Uh, this week's five-star review review is brought to you by GeoOcon357. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review uh, instead of something on Monday Night Raw, then you can do so by uh, either leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or screenshotting your five-star review from Spotify. Yeah, we need the proof. And then what email would one of the Papa Rich lads order from Nando's? I don't really go to Nando's. No. Sucks, Nando's. It's just, it's just chicken, isn't it? Just overpriced. The kids like it because it's like it makes them feel like they're in a pub. <laughs> so I was like, gangs of like. I'd rather take them to a pub. So yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to like that magic two pints. Bring back oh, underage oh. drinking. Is that what was. We're not taking <laughs> that official stuff. Like, have my kids drink. What are you talking about? Uh, no, I'm saying when I was younger, it was great. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, like, getting served before you were old enough to get served was the best. It was the, the drinks best. were never better than when you weren't supposed to be getting them. Do you ever That's have what the, got me into Guinness because I thought it made me seem like more of an adult. Do you ever have the lad who, uh, who'd have the like shandy ice cream from the, the <laughs> Mr. Whippy? Bloody <laughs> pissed here, lads. Side of lolly. My mum ran a pub, so I used to ask her for advice. I was like, how can you tell someone's like underage by what they ask for? She went off to specify what beer it is. Oh, okay. it looks like they've studied it. Yeah. So if you just like a pint of lager, I said, yeah. well, I'm not like a regular, so I'm the Blade and Rugby Club, 17 years old. Have a pint of lager, please. Which one? I was like, uh. Uh, <laughs> Foster's. Why, Cronenberg 1664, of course, barkeep. <laughs> you know, as well, when you get older, when you're sort of like our age now, I guess, 
you say, oh, how could you tell that uh, they were underage? Well, because you could tell. You mm. could tell. Like, you I... see kids in pubs, and you're like, oh, you're kids. You yeah. see yeah. uni students these days, right? And you're like, Jesus Christ, I cannot remember being that age. No. Yeah, it's children, aren't they? Yeah, they're children. Yeah. It's bad enough when you're like, oh, he's going out with a 16-year-old. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. Nonce. <laughs> you see students and you think, I can't believe I was ever that age. They yeah. look so young. And you felt like you were an adult by that age as well, yeah. didn't you? You Which feel like you've learned from watching other old men at the pub and you think, can I have a little taster of the uh, <laughs> carling, please? <laughs> oh, that's a good drop, that, yeah. I'll have a, I'll have a, a pint and a half, actually. Just, just to wet my whistle. Do you know what my strategy used to be? I was six foot three. And I was 17. That was your strategy? Yeah. yeah. It was, was stand in the middle of my group of friends as we walked into a bar. So it's just big ginger bean pole in the middle of lads. And they go, you. Tall guy. You. Where's your ID? And I go, oh, you, you'll never guess. I've bloody forgot it. But my mate here, who's got facial hair and <laughs> clearly looks old enough, he's got ID. And they'd go, I haven't asked you for ID. And I go... Touche. And now I'm going home. Good night, everyone. My strategy was being old enough to exist in a time where the bars would just serve underage kids before they would get fined out the ears. Yeah, yeah. Like that was there was those bars that you knew you could go to. Yeah. And in Scarborough, uh, like a Weatherspoons when we were sixteen, they did not care. Like now, the, I don't think kids would stand a chance in the weather. They'd be the first. Couldn't ones they to do the thing on the app now? I guess so, yeah. Just slink in, find a table, and like, yeah, and hope that the person brings the drinks over. Uh, I'll have a bowl of peas and uh, <laughs> uh, six Guinnesses. My uh, strategy, it's quite smart, this. We would always hit the, uh, just the one sex of the student unions. Yeah. yeah uh, Not the actual student unions, because they didn't have the student union cards or whatever. The younger people to but the ones that in. expect the younger people, like, why would you be here? And my additional twist on, so it was like geography, right? Okay, they expect the student crowd, so dress for the part, mm-hmm. dress for the job you want. So, like, I was a little pretentious twat who liked the Smiths, and Brighty Snell is uh, the best all forever, <laughs> actually. I was, leave us alone, I was 17. <laughs> and it's all right, I was just, a Nick Hornby guy. I would just look like... An undergraduate when I was in sixth form yeah. and just like mm. blazers. Go to uh, Bar Oz next to Newcastle Uni. I was the goose in the garden guy. Goose as well, yeah. The goose. Just loudly say, Times of lectures this afternoon again? Ah. <laughs> cool, classes. I'll tell you a story about uh, this uh, undergraduate impression that I once did and it uh, backfired in my face. <laughs> so, anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Drinking. Um, Leave us a five star review. Review. Yeah. Uh, you can email me them as well if you do this. If you do it via Spotify, Adam.Wilborn at whatculture.com. But Geo Ocon 357, let's us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, drink responsibly. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and they write, actually, young kids don't drink anymore. Have you seen this? You heard about this? Because <laughs> they kind of get served anyway because the dickheads like us ruining it. No, they just don't. No, it's not you probably see arseholes like us yeah. when they're like just out having fun times without thinking that. I'd say loads of stupid shit. Students getting their asses kicked by horrendous fees. Uh, have you seen how much this fucking cost me? I've got to get a degree out of this dickhead. Yeah. yeah. So Gio writes, Hello, legends. First a story. My wife hates wrestling and equally dislikes Wilborn and the Dadly Boys. Get him. Yeah. Get him. <laughs> One day I was listening and she told me to turn it off. So I looked at her and said, It's the Dadleys and Wilborn or divorce. <laughs> Where, uh, uh, we are still married. I think that's good. Good to know. I'm a, so you stop listening then. No, I'm I think, mixed, comp- I think a compromise. Okay. Been made. Let's just hope slash assume that's a joke. Yes. Uh, for my review, I mean, I've said that exact line to my wife, so maybe not. Let's just assume that that is a joke. Maybe not the. 
nicest one. We're not encouraging people to pick yeah. us over their better halves. But, but we're not not. No, they're going to be leverage. <laughs> uh, from my review I posted a while ago, the review I wanted was the US title voting poll segment on SmackDown. As a first-generation Mexican-American and as a participant in the voting, I was disgusted by the segment and stopped watching WWE for years. I wanted that one to shine a light on how racist WWE can be and what a ray of light AEW means to be. But for my review, we must laugh at what we love. Please review any segment of the Nightmare Collective. So we chose the arrival of Luther joining the Nightmare Collective. Bit of a role reversal here. Cedric, what was going on here on the anniversary episode of Dynamite? So what's happened is that either, right, they've plotted this little arc or they've reverse engineered a way out of it because it was so pathetic. So AW starts and it You've never, never mentioned 2020, early 2020 pre-pandemic AEW. Did you like it as an era? <laughs> <laughs> I love getting banded off. Because I do it the same, so uh, sometimes when it comes back to me, it's got, I've, got to, I've got to take it to the same faith. Uh, this is the one bad thing about it. Um, so what happens is that uh, it never really worked out on screen for Brandy Rose once, except it actually did, and I'm going to get to it. So it starts out, the arc of Brandy Rhodes, right, who I maintain in the right role is great. Mm. I'm going to get to that. So AW starts out, and they do the road to double or nothing, and there's invisible camera segments. And uh, Chris Jericho... It's feuding with authority figure Cody Rhodes. And it's like, what you doing, lads? <laughs> this is not what I want at all. The promos were strong enough. The buzz and the goodwill surrounding this new major upstart was so strong that the YouTube stuff was like, yeah. Oh, well, Cody Rhodes is cutting these great promos. Let's just concentrate on that. Yeah. There's a lot of rubbish that people at the time were like, they were like worrying omens. Like, thank you, Chris Jericho was funny, but it was light, wasn't it? Yes. It was, it was like humorous because he's good at that. But they sort were doing of invisible stick, camera stuff. Yeah. And they did this thing where um, ahead of the three way, that was turned into a four way at Double or Nothing. Brandy Rhodes, again, via invisible camera segments that any of the women could have just watched on YouTube for free at the push of a button. Brandy Rhodes is going, Ah, oh, Prepeka, you're my choice to win. Nyla Rose, you're my choice to win. Kylie Ray, you're my choice to win. And then I think they might have all realized, hang on, is she saying the same things? And it was just like, oh, God, what the... It was like a weird meta, I'm going to be Stephanie McMahon, but I'll sell for you. No, no, just do a women's division without an authority figure. That's what I want to do. And that's eventually what they did. Then they did Brandy Rhodes struggles with um, her mental health. But actually, it's a ruse to turn heel. That was terrible. That, that was one. terrible. Yeah. A lot of it was terrible, honestly. And then, like, as a valet, a completely underserviced role in professional wrestling to this day, right? She was phenomenal when Sean Spears hit Cody Rhodes in the back of the head when he was aiming for the forehead and all that blood splattered out. She cut a promo on the road to All Out 2019 and it was fantastic. She put over the gravity of what Sean Spears had done. She vowed revenge on behalf of Cody who was too injured to cut the promo the himself. It was unbelievable. Amazing, that, yeah. was, that was, she was so good as this earnest baby face, but she just wanted to play the heel. She just wanted to play the heel, but she was she mis miscast herself. So, Dynamite, premiere. Um, Sammy Guevara um, throws Cody... No, throws Brandy in the way of Cody's dive to the outside. Brandy careens into the barricade. She's never the same since. And then you just see this vignette after full gear, the full gear before December 18, Dynamite, Oh, boy. <laughs> so you see this vignette where, like, she's trying to sort of summon Awesome Kong, 
and it's all a bit spooky and arm dram, and you're thinking, oh, okay, look, awesome Kong rules. So mm. I don't like the introduction, but the character will be good. And then he realizes, oh, fuck, she's thrashed. She's like, her back is cooked. She can't do this anymore. So they decide to do the Nightmare Collective, which maximizes awesome Kong as a heater. And I will say, to this very day, as terrible as the idea was and the execution was somehow worse, <laughs> the actual um, drive behind it, the representation, I think that was a good, good idea. It just was the worst possible storyline. So the Nightmare Collective start to cut people's hair off after Awesome Kong wins these squash matches that are a minute long and still not very good at all, and they're cutting the hair. And then I start to realize, right, that my sports-oriented, fixture-heavy, wins and losses alternative has fallen a little bit by the wayside when the cult tries to recruit the alien. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, oh my god, what's this? And at, at, at the time, you could probably go back and listen to the audio. I'm like, well, Chris Statlander's good in the ring. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, that NXT match, they only want it to be good in the ring, so it doesn't care. I just <laughs> wanted it to be good yeah. because it was such an arsehole move from N N WWE and NXT. Let's, let this bloody competition breathe. You like it, don't you? I thought you liked it. It made you creative better. No, you don't. Anyway, so he leads to December 18. The two concurrent cult Sorry, I hate alliteration. The two in parallel cult recruitment angles are unfolding. And the Dark Order kill the um, auras of Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega because the Creepers are so untrained and they didn't get told explicitly, bump, bump, you green c***s, for the love of God, bump. This is not your show. But it's Tony Khan's fault, ultimately. He should have really played that message home. These guys were on TV. They're thinking, oh, we're the Creepers, goddammit. And they <laughs> lied about their experience. They didn't realize that they were there to bump and feed so that the sheer numbers game, which is what the Dark Order said all along that they were about, would hold Kenny and Cody just down the nose so that Stu Grayson and Evil Uno could be the badasses for beating up the, the stars. It was a horrendous angle. Then they said, right, okay, we can't do this. We can't do this. It's absolutely terrible. And then you got the anniversary, no, the homecoming, because it was in Jacksonville, edition of Dynamite. And I was like, are the elite still elite? Yes, they are, because they're awesome and they've won, but they're not elite because Hangman Page is on the margins and that, oh my God, perfection. You've done a series finale and a season opener at the exact mm. same time. It was genius from Tony Khan. Then one week later, the kinks are still there because this happens. Yeah, it's Rio versus Chris Statlander for the time. And I was looking forward to it. Little potentially forgotten trivia note on Rio versus Chris Statlander when the whole CW collapsing after like four months. <laughs> That's rubbish because I was really enjoying it. And then the narratives were happening. Oh, the Dark Order are rubbish. Oh, Christopher Daniels is botching himself to a like near death experience on Dynamite. And uh, all of this is pretty bad. And uh, uh, it's, uh, I got my thing dying. Rio versus Chris Statland, it was meant to happen the week before. And uh, they didn't realize in a LOL WCW moment that Chris Statland uh, had already been booked for an indie show oh, yeah. when they announced it. I so this was meant that. to happen. This, right, what a twist of fate this is, right? Because that flawless, flawless January 1st show that went unaired, uh, unopposed, sorry, yeah, with clip show, NXT because they did a clip show, right? So that gave them all the momentum in the world because they were creeping up. They had a demo win on December 18th in parallel with that terrible Dark Order closing angle. NXT won that night. 
Hail Mary, they don't have a show on January 1st. It's a clip show. We need to restore the goodwill for this company, and we need to steal the march on the ratings battle as well at the same time. Oh, my God, we've done it. And I was like, I watched that show, and I was like, oh, fuck. Yes, this was unbelievable and just what was needed. If it weren't for some knacker being incompetent and not realizing, hang on, Statlander versus Riho can't go ahead, so let's pull it and do the four-way, I think, that led to this. If Statlander hadn't have taken that independent booking, this angle would have happened on the uh, homecoming January 1st edition and the goodwill that it generated, which, by the way, the um, rights fee announcement, because we're doing production covering costs and ad revenue splits before they got the rights fee, right? What if this had happened on that January 1st show? The thing we're about to cover. It could have just not happened for yeah. AEW. Yeah. Genuinely. Because they needed those rights fees, especially ahead of the incoming pandemic. Exactly. Like it happened at exactly the right exactly, time for yeah. AEW's health as well, didn't it? Honestly, this nearly happened at the worst possible time. So Statlander and Rio fighting. Statlander's a tope suicida on Awesome Kong, which they call in commentary and then say, yeah, and she's done a tope suicida on Awesome Kong. On Awesome Kong, a tope su-. I was like, you've made your fucking point. I've got it. <laughs> Uh, so Brandy Rhodes walks out, starts jaw-jacking with Chris Statlander, uh, and then I've written here, then a fat, bald bloke crawls from under the ring. Oh, hey, mate. Come on. JR literally says, what the hell is that? Not who the hell is that. What the hell is that? It's an entity. Statlander, <laughs> okay, she's going back and forth to Brandy. She hasn't seen what we'll just soon discover is Luther uh, sneak up behind her going, Finger is that, that, that was a lot of tongue. <laughs> Distracting me a lot about yeah, 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 yeah. So Statlander swings for Brandy, but Luther grabs her arm and goes, Don't touch mother! That's <laughs> it, <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't touch you? Mother! <laughs> Brandy, the original mammy here. Do you remember that uh, <sighs> in what was probably a quite literal Easter egg? Luther's head was teased. And they were working this like sort they of. They talk about it in a second. Eat on her shoulder. Wasn't it? Like, oh, stop that, young man. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the head turned around and it's Luther. Who? So, you know, we've talked before about classic JR. Does he have no conscience? Does he have no heart? Do you have no soul? You son of a bitch. <laughs> Here he goes, Awesome Kong almost beheaded Chris Statlander. Just completely dead <laughs> Was this. Before or after, like the it was briefly memed, wasn't it? Excalibur's call, yeah, the arrival yeah. of Luther, which like what's the the long form explanation there? Wait a minute, that's a Japanese deathmatch wrestling legend. Luther yeah. is like that's a lot of the qualifier you've got to put into explaining who the hell this guy is. But he'd done that in answer to Jim Ross is like, what the hell is that? This was an era where Jim Ross was intentionally asking a lot of questions because in his mind he was like, this is how I'm going to coach Excalibur. Yeah, like set reset things for the viewer. What the hell is that? Excalibur, like, he couldn't even hide his contempt for having to ask the question. So, what is he, mentally ill? This like, is that was another one. What, is he sick? It was Kenny Omega, that wasn't it? Well, he came for the Halloween when he came out as the Undertale. Is he, is he sick? Explain that to me, Excalibur. <laughs> so, Tony, yeah, this point goes, oh, guys, do you remember the video from a few weeks back? And this is a shoot what happened. Guys, oh, do you remember the video from a few weeks back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, I think I remember there was a bald headed guy in it and she said stay away you're not ready yet could uh, could Luther be that guy right <laughs> and right meanwhile 
It's all going on. Statland has been laid out. Crowd is dead. <laughs> the very important point. Crowd is super dead. So Luther just goes, shut up! His own fist for some reason. While JR goes, this is freaky, man. <laughs> right. And then this is another Scalibur call. I've written this verbatim. That, that looks like Luther. He's been on screen for about a minute by now. That looks like Luther. That is. Look at his face. That looks just like Luther. And he's the fourth member of the Nightmare Collective, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> right, and then, so I love this, because I had to rewind this, because they've not mic'd them up, obviously. You know, like when Brandy and Chris, Chris are going back and forth, they're clearly just going, we are stalling here before Luther comes out, and then I'll say, you can swing for me now, and then grab the arm. So you don't really hear what they're saying. You don't really hear what Brandy's saying here, but I'm 98% convinced I've got it here because they sort of cut between, you know, uh, Riho recovering and Mel walking around and all this, right? I reckon Brandy says to Luther here whilst he's, right? She goes, I'm, I'll swear. She goes, you see her over there? Points at Riho. We want her to win. That's the only thing I've got for a Because they're trying to make uh, Chris Statlander feel a little bit uh, down on luck and ostracized from society. Don't go to don't, no, don't on the dark order. It's the other one. <laughs> yes, it's yes. us, man. It's <laughs> yes, us. Yeah, don't yeah. join her. Don't join that one. So then Rio's recovered. She goes up top. I was so then... excited for this match as well. Yeah, that's what pissed me off at the time. I was like, yeah, you killed my investment enthusiasm in that. Like, I'm not sure this division's on the up and up. So they, they, Rio goes up to him, they're like, there you go, kill her. But she dives, she, well, she dives right on Luther. And then JR goes, if that's him. <laughs> is it or isn't it? For Christ's sake. The match just then continues. Mel jumps up on the apron. And then the most, like, the, it's awful, the finish as well. Because yeah. Mel jumps up on the apron. The referee goes, oh, bloody hell, what are you doing over here? Statlander gets Rio in like a tombstone position. Completely fine. You know, Rio's, what, 98 pounds or whatever she is, right? Gets her in tombstone position. Rio doesn't even wiggle her legs. And Statlander just goes, I'm just going to walk over to the, uh, the uh, road <laughs> where, where Kong is. And you'll never guess what. Kong trips her up. And uh, <laughs> Jim goes, wait a minute. Kong just helped Rio retain the title. They've been doing it for five <laughs> minutes, Jim. What have you been watching? Honestly, unbelievable scenes. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And thank you, God, that uh, it happened on this show, not the January 1st. Because on the January 1st, we're like, right, okay. We've got an exalted one for the Dark Leader, which everyone's like, ooh, mystery. Look at that, as mm-hmm. opposed to, don't remember that. Think of the mystery. So there was like a, a tacit acknowledgement of, it sucked. Yeah, It absolutely sucked. I think they might have even done like a pre-tape where it was like, who's the weak one? Who's the weak one? The exalted one will not be happy with him. So it's like, right, they've acknowledged that the punches were terrible and there's a new sort of mystery twist and people can do their Easter eggs and think about who it might be. Is it going to be Matt Hardy? <sighs> Thankfully, it wasn't. Because they put, did they put like, um, did they do like an acrostic of like... This is the start of all yeah, those like, teasers. Uh, like, my, my attack yeah. today. Was it like, and it just started and then the there was down. the first red herring because after they said, who's the weak one? Get rid of him. Um, yes, exalted one. Oh, an exalted one. That sounds better than what we've seen. And um, what was delightful, so it was like they yeah. did the first tease, it was like, oh, Christ, at least there's going to be a star attached to it. Didn't they have Raven in the crowd as well? At yeah. yeah, so this is all over the yeah. coming weeks. It was really well done, really, really well done. Yeah. Um, but the point I'm making is that because on January 1st, it already established that, oh, they're getting rid of the Dark Order, or they're completely revamping it. Oh, good, that means they're listening. 
the fact that this happened on January 8th, 2020, <laughs> was like, well, get rid of this as well. This will not stand, but I'm happy because if I say get rid of this and about hundreds of thousands of people did, then it was like, all right, okay, well, I can trust them now. Like, get rid. This mm -hmm. is the one last thing that you need to get rid of and I can now actually enjoy AEW again. And I'm like, yeah, everyone did. I just love as well how, like, you take the piss out of Chris Jericho even after the air he's had on this podcast because he invites it. Uh, yeah, uh, you can imagine the room. Post-December 18, right, we need... 2020 to go a lot better than 2019, guys. Um, I'm sorry we had the creative committee. I'm going to disband it. Obviously, I want your ideas. I want your creative. Come with me for the, um, the the skeletal framework of what your angles are going to do, but it's your angles that I want your ideas for. You, know, you can't book anything else on the show. It's, it's mine. I'm taking all of it. I'm sorry. I still want to collab your ideas and your storylines, but I'm in charge of everyone's career and everyone's story from this point forward. Right, okay. With that in mind, still interested in your ideas. So give me them. You're still in the room. We're still going to meet like this. I'm just, I'm in, it's, I've Finish got the final say. Give me some of that bubbly. What yeah. you got? I've, I've got the final say, but I still want your ideas. Hit me. How to rescue uh, the Nightmare Collective. Up pipes, Chris Jericho. <laughs> and my best friend, uh, he and I were one of the last to actually be the last uh, <laughs> foreigners in uh, New Japan and in Japan and uh, FMW. We, like me and Luther were kind of the last guys. Who's Luther? <laughs> He's the original death dealer. <laughs> All right, okay, well, he's my top star, and I want to lose the drop title to Moxie, so I'm going to have to appease him. Yeah, Christ, what have I got myself in for? <laughs> Here's Luther. Here's, oh, God. I know, I know this is a, a penny to me, but I still resent this. Here's $150,000, Luther. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Ross gets pelters now, right, for some shoddy commentary. But around this time, there's a totally different narrative around Jim Ross's, like, indifference to certain elements of AEW, whereby it was early days and he was considered, and understandably so and justifiably so, a trusted and important voice in every room in AEW, including what you assume. It's really easy to paint the picture of Jim Ross, that committee of wrestlers, your Chris Jericho's, your elites, whatever, and him in a production meeting and Jim Ross want to do a thing and or not, not liking something and being talked down and Tony Khan saying, now we're going with the gym. We're going to try the Nightmare Collective. You could hear the things that he'd been disagreed with in the production meetings, couldn't you? Because mm. he would be particularly salty about them. And I just love that, like, bullied JR never got the chance to do that in WWE ever. And there was a little bit of his sort of, like... <coughs> this is bad booking. Yeah, like, this is bad booking being a perfect example of him being like, well, I uh, couldn't slag him off on me over here, but I'm going to treat myself here. Um, a lot of people around the table maybe wouldn't be into this sort of thing, but uh, I guess we are where we are. Is that right, Excalibur? What, Jim? <laughs> Jim, what are you going? You're going off script, Jim. You're going rogue. I thought we are in live scripts around here, Excalibur. Ain't that right, Tony? What, what Jim? Right, let's wrap this up. Um, Post-Max, Brett Baker and Akara Shida just look bemused in the crowd. Uh, Luther does the Undertaker throat slip, and then goes, again. Kong attacks Statline there. Rio tries to make a save. Mel attacks her. Shida makes the save for both of them. Britt Baker just sits in the crowd going, I'm not getting involved in this. Uh, and then just everyone looked. It's over. Everyone looks pissed. <laughs> and, uh, sunny kiss and big swole slide in there too. Oh. It's time to play the game. What game is that? Did it, did it, did it, did it. How do you make the near death of a wrestling promotion... How does that make you erect? Like, where do the horny comments come from here? Because I'm watching this thinking, oh, God, please get rid of this. Last week was so good. I still have the faith. 
informed by last week. I'm not. I'm not sexually ex- excited. I'm not horny. Actually, you know, I've, I've got a floppy if anything because I want. I'm not excited. How do we get this horny? Rimmed by Luther sixty four's been on. <laughs> it's Brandy Rose is wearing a dress. That's it, that's all it takes on the uh. internet, mate. We go to the comment section. These do not reflect the views myself, the Daddy Boys, anyone on what culture wrestling. Uh, biggest burial AW is going to get here, Sige. The awesome Ran seven 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 nine writes. This is the most WWE moment AW's ever had. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, I like the ba- you know I like sometimes the back and forth in the comments. Seth freaking Rollins 9889. I don't think it's actually him. Right. I'm going to be honest. I had no idea who that was. But hey, we learn something new every day. And someone else replies, no one knew who Luther was. But then Billy Ruth comes in and goes, well, no one knew who John Cena, Edge or Orton were before when they debuted. So not quite the same. Not quite. I'll... Right. Everybody ever debuted once. So that's the justification. For <laughs> yeah. Because every wrestler has debuted. They can't criticize it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's right. It's time to play the game. Uh, fill in the blank. The infamous Mister Sleep writes: I want blank to show up in AEW and verbally bury the nightmare, coll- the collective nightmare. Sorry, they've called them Mordecai. No. Ah. See, I was thinking. Gothy but funnier, a gangrel, like wackier goth, you know? You're both close. Ricky Gervais. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Jack Whitehall was bad enough. We don't need oh, other God. terrible British comics in the AW. Uh, Bobadicious, don't worry, writes, Nightmare Collective. It's a nightmare, all right. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> More like Shitmare Collective. I love it. Like, because it's so close, I'm going to do another swear word, right? Um... Ah, oh, there's Cedric on Twitter again, putting over Dinah sh- <laughs> what, what, what am I reply, guys? Ask him, no, ask him. What am I reply, guys? Is to call it Dinah sh- <laughs> Right, uh, we get to the horny section. That's great. Um, did not have to use myself, Dad, boys, anywhere at what culture wrestling. I'm interested here. How do you do it? Danderman302 just writes... Excuse me while I remove the drool from my mouth. <laughs> and maybe he's been doing <laughs> too long, so he just apologized in the comment section. Uh, Sean writes, oh, I wish I could take Brandy to my formal event for ballroom dancing. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. No, no, no. Hold it. You just need to save that for Angel 171. Who writes, my dearest Brandy, you are what dreams are made of. You are divinely beautiful. Whether you have rollers and no makeup or are standing on your head, it doesn't matter. You are wonderful, my movie star. (laughs) (laughs) Standing on your head. You're so fit, you'd be fit standing on your head. And shag your upside down, love. (laughs) The Jamblers are always the worst, aren't they? They're like, my ladies. I'd rather have an absolute mutant. Yeah. Rollers in your hair. Just one cock on a body. (laughs) Dog with two dicks. All right, ready? It's time to play the game! Guess the emoji at the end of this sentence. Is it an aubergine? No, right. So Claude writes... Eggplant. Claude writes... (laughs) It does look like (laughs) this. It's purple on your dick. New England eggplants. Claude writes... (laughs) 
Oh, I'd eat it like a watermelon. <laughs> right. I don't know what it is. What? Is it a ras? I assume so. <laughs> there's a watermelon emoji, but what is the other emoji? So there's a watermelon. What's the other emoji? And it's not a mouth. Watermelon and... Uh... The peach. Peach? Okay. That's a good idea. Hey, the the no, bicep. We go again. <laughs> we go again on that thing. That does not slip. Okay, so Claude writes, oh, I'd eat it like a watermelon. Watermelon emoji, dot, 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 hedgehog emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because it's got bricks? I don't, know. I don't know. Just move on. Yeah. Final comment here comes from Shadow Prism, <laughs> who just writes... <laughs> Not directly use myself, but culture wrestling, anyone like that, okay. Just right. Oh, God, it's all coming. <laughs> stop, again. So I just to stop. Oh, my God, it's all come out. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Why is he talking about that, Sige? I think the guy's drained all of his balls. <laughs> <laughs> I just know. Oh, oh God! Oh my God! It's all come out. Oh my God! It's all hands of all the jeez. Now my keyboard is because <laughs> I had to type. Because I typed it immediately afterwards. So thanks, I suppose, to Mister and Mrs. Geo Con Five Five Seven. I can see why your wife hates us. Yeah. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much. Like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. So we return to Monday Night Raw. We're an hour into this review, oh, about two sh- matches in. Oh, no. Okay, so Usos and Sami Zayn still in the ring after beating up OC and all that. (laughs) Got a lot to get through. They're in the ring. Uh, Pierce comes down with 
Shane Helms and a load of security guards, basically. And Jimmy says, we run this business. Um, Zane's like, I don't know what your problem is. They're, clearly the fans haven't got a problem with me. Huge cheers. Yeah. <laughs> the, the heel stable destroying the, the show. Uh, and Zane says, oh, tonight's nothing compared to what we're going to do to Kevin Owens and John Cena on the December 30th episode of SmackDown. Put it in your diary. Um, they go to send security in the ring, but Jay says, don't worry about it. We're heading out of here uh, because... We the two, no, no, the other one. You the twos, <laughs> and we the ones. And they go to leave. Styles jumps eight, uh, Sami Zayn as, uh, they get, as they're being led out. Everyone gets separated. They show Alexa Bliss uh, winning the number one contenders match, and when they come back, Styles is yelling at Pierce backstage, and he goes, you know what, bollocks, I'll give it you. You can have a match against Sami Uso in a minute, which was enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, impromptu. So... <sighs> Moving on, um, Byron Saxon is sitting down backstage with Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss and says, what happened last week, Alexa, when you sort of put her in Sister Abigail, basically? And Belair's, yeah, yeah actually, I want to know about that, actually. I don't bloody trust you. And Bliss basically talks about her history with Bray Wyatt. She says, I got abducted. I got turned into some yeah, evil version of myself. And then I was just left broken with abandonment issues. Everything was taken from me. Everyone said I was crazy, so I went to therapy. That turned me into a shell that I didn't recognize, and I'm still trying to work through. Uh, but she said, the friendship with Bianca and Asuka has helped me uh, get through it. Uh, I've got nothing to lose, everything to gain, including the title. And Bianca's like, yeah, I'm not sure I still believe you here, um, but I support you and I know what you're capable of, but I also know what Bray Wyatt's all about. And Bliss is like, stop talking about Bray Wyatt. He's not a threat to you, I am. I was winning titles before you came through the door, I can do it again. I did like that bit, to be honest. And Belair's like, well, come do it then. And Saxon's like, thanks for your time. Bianca stands up to leave. And Bliss, out of nowhere, grabs the vase with flowers in it. Oh, yeah, that was nearby. And just smashes it over the back of Bianca Belair's head. And they reveal that uh, in two weeks, January 2nd, Raw, uh, the Raw will come back to review on our first day back. It's going to be the uh, Raw Women's Championship match. Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss. I get it, okay. It's the first thing about Bray Wyatt I've ever got in my life. <laughs> There's ambiguity here about how in control of herself she actually is. There's a shred of doubt, right, that she's been manipulated by this monster, right? Don't hire him back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hire, like, why, why would this company hire an abuser back? <laughs> Sells T-shirts. Um, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's terrible. I admired some of the intent of this. Yeah, the whole Alexa did well. The whole idea that it's me you should be taking seriously, not the weird freak Bray Wyatt, uh, which again is all over the map. Because uh, I, I'm sorry, I've just I've remembered why they brought back. I don't want to be the fiend anymore, man. <laughs> man. I don't want to be the fiend anymore. Oh, come see the freak show, man. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy anymore. <laughs> so maybe they've bought it as well. LA Knight. Yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. Bray Wyatt's a Charlotte. He's a heel in that program, isn't he? Because mm, Bray Wyatt yeah. is a babyface, but Uncle Howdy is the heel. So now they're telling you on Raw that Bray Wyatt, the babyface from SmackDown, is the one that abducted and. I think cast we're a spell all on. the babyfaces, mate. It's just well, the demons are the heels. And there's demons within all of us, except Alexa Bliss, unless they're ears. I didn't mind that. I also did think Triple H has tried on a number of occasions to make sense of the nonsense that 
plagued WWE for years. So that's why you're getting mentions of the therapy. WWE is an institution despises therapy, by the way, and people trying to fix their mental health. Of course they do, because they want their talent to be mentally broken. So therapy always gets a dig, which I don't really like. But that's I can see why he's trying to thread what happened in her past to now. But has he not just effed it up? Or has he checked with the wrong writer or something? Because didn't she win in the end? Like she effectively black gooed Bray Wyatt out of mm. WWE. Like that story ended with her being at the top of that box like structure. And then he just disappeared. And then he said. just disappeared. Yeah. So she won. So like oh well. Does anybody really win when it comes to Bray Wyatt? <laughs> <laughs> the optics of all of this are totally Goldberg dire. Yeah. So it's just as well that no one could even begin to take any of this seriously. Anyone with a reasonable brain and aid. She's not winning as well, is she? No. So when she loses... That's, that's when it'll happen. Yeah, that's like the... She's going to have a new weakness. Ember, the dark metamorphosis. The upside down bee's ass. <laughs> yeah, it flashed on the screen when she said that, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Bit. Oh, my God, of course it did. Oh, it makes it clever, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, next was the most boring ladder match ever. It was Dexter Lumis versus Miss. <laughs> I just, like... They did. Like, the thing is, I felt really bad for for, for them because, like, it, we always say, but we never take bumps. But taking bumps must suck in just normal circumstances. When you've got metal and ladders and falls from great heights, no one cared. We didn't care. We heard it on the preview yesterday. I described it as Shinsuke Nakamura-esque in terms of how phoned in it was. We were just like, here's what you've got coming up. There's your menu. Anyway, but we didn't see it coming, I suppose. There was a superplex off a ladder early on. Uh, Loomis drops the ladder, uh, and it just misses Miz. He's fallen into the corner. And Miz is like, you, and then he gets in in his tiny balls, which was quite funny, actually. Uh, did, you, <laughs> did you hear, like, and I, f- I feel like at this point there must be plants. There's, like, five people in this otherwise dead crowd. Tiny balls. Tiny balls. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put over Corey Graves at the end of this. Remind me to do that. But the nature of how pathetic it was. Yeah. Highlighted how terrible all of this was. They battle on the top rope. Ladder falls. They get hung up on the... No, battle on the top of the ladder. They get hung up on the top rope. Uh, When they come back from the break, they're still there. Loomis shoves Miz off, but then Miz pushes the ladder over and Loomis... Hangs himself on the top rope again. Uh, Miz tries to grab it, but Loomis yanks him down, puts him in a sleeper. Miz goes into the ropes, counters with a neck breaker off the apron. Um, he ch- chucks him, he fights with Loomis on the outside, puts him in between the ladders, chucks chairs and stuff on top of it. Uh, the crowd champer tables. He gets one out and goes, ah, bollocks, I'm not doing that. And then he starts fighting Gargano, clocks him with the ladder, gets rid of him, he disappears forever. Um, Loomis sits up, because he's taking some time away from him, like the undead monster, slams Miz on top of the ladder where the top of the desk bit has fallen onto it for some reason. Um, and it, Loomis satisfies the crowd's desperation for a table spot in a in ladder match. Uh, puts Miz on there, leg drops off the ladder, but Miz is rolled out of the way and Loomis just bursts through the table. Miz limps into the ring, climbs the ladder, Loomis recovers, chucks him off. It looks like he's about to grab both money bags. Uh, but out of nowhere, he is attacked by a debuting, I suppose, technically on the main roster, returning to WWE, Bronson Reed, to this huge pop. And then uh, <laughs> Reed's... Yeah, no reaction. Uh, I don't like Bronson Reed, man. He splashes yeah. Loomis, um, helps Miz climb the ladder, and Miz pulls the best face I've ever seen him pull, celebrating with all the money bags and his new monster accomplice. You know the cliché? The irresistible force meets the immovable object. This was a match between an immovable object 
an immovable object, the object of which was to climb up another immovable object. <laughs> <laughs> this was Jesus Christ. This was so boring. I'll tell you one thing, though. My complete disdain and numbness towards ladder matches made me a little bit in admiration of the spot where the ladder just landed right next to Miz. Mm, yeah. His tiny balls. And then there was a decent bit of interplay on commentary where they went, oh, it's a little bit too short. It was just an insufficient length away. So they played, they did a better job of the tiny balls thing than they've ever done. So that mm. was fair enough. But at the same time, they registered that the, the weapon should be built as a weapon again. In this match, out of all the freaking good, great ladder matches you've seen, did an all right job, I thought. And then it just got really boring and really boring. And no one cares about Bronson Reed. AEW fans know more about or are more receptive to ROH and New Japan Professional Wrestling than WWE fans are about WWE NXT. Yeah. The WWE main roster crowd is an animal unto itself, right, that I cannot, and it's a big part of my job, begin to articulate what it is they even think they want. And they don't care about NXT, I'll tell you that much. The evidence is rave. So maybe Papa H should have learned that, hang on, no one gives a toss about these guys. It's embarrassing for this dude that he's getting no pop. Like, don't do the surprise debuts. It works for AEW, right? It doesn't work for WWE, no. evidently. So you have to do it a different way because your crowd is kind of willfully ignorant at this point of the of the stars that they were told. Because you spent four years telling them to stay willfully ignorant as well. Like, you know what it by is? By rule, wasn't it? You know Never watch other wrestling. You know what it is? You stupid fucking big nose. You know what it fucking is, right? You arsehole. I'm going to tweet this as well. It's going to do really well. Maybe, you arsehole, you thick moron. Maybe, if you didn't change narratives like the wind and say things to the effect of, huh, Tony Khan, AW, he just beat out developmental. Big deal, huh? Big deal, huh? Well, maybe if you call it developmental and treat it like crap to get a point across, when you debut fucking talent from developmental, maybe if you don't say that shit, which is a complete fucking lie, they might give a toss about a Bronson Reed. So why don't you say my gang? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Filthy animal. AW. I'm so sorry, Wilborn. This is already going long. AW fans would have given Bronson Reed a bigger reaction because they saw him right now. They saw him wrestling Okada in New Japan. Yeah, Jonah. Like, they would have seen they would have given him a bigger pop than this WWE crowd did. Like if this was yeah, dynamite. It's a clap crowd as well. Yeah. Um I I have nothing else to add on this drab, terrible match other than to say that the last time I saw Johnny Gargano get an arse kicking like this, he was literally being written out of the company 12 months ago when Grayson Waller did it. Like, how how have we got here? 12 months after he leaves NXT and presumably WWE because a Vince McMahon company is never going to book him right. Yeah. And then he becomes this... Inc- he gets half a year off for the first six months of his kid's life. So he's, he's nailed it. Johnny Gargano has won the game. And then he sits out long enough that he spots... The AEW are bringing in too many people, so he would just fall through the cracks. And his guy has taken over in mm-hmm. WWE. It's, it couldn't have gone any better for him. And we are 12 months later, and he's in a worse spot than he was when Grayson Waller was kicking his ass in NXT. <laughs> because at least, like Triple H, I, I appreciate that Triple H listens to this podcast, but don't be fooled by it, right? You brought all these NXT people back thinking, well, the guys at What Culture talked about every week. I, so that people could listen to us instead of watching it. Don't misplace those listeners for viewers because they mm. never, ever were. It was us three and nobody else. If he Look, if he wants to comp us tickets to everywhere, we'll go be like, oh, we know him. Yeah. But we're the only three that do. Like, Gargano was left laying in the crowd and was never heard One from again. One ladder shot. Triple H still believes, despite him nearly killing the business in 2002 and 2003, 
That slaughtering baby faces is how you get them over. Like, slaughtering them. Mustafa Ali uh, will at some point get pushed, three months from now, and people like us will be told by idiots, see, should have just been patient, should have just watched the story play out, let it play out, all that sort of stuff. It's happening again with Johnny Gargano. I cannot believe, like, I th- I'm pretty sure they're killing him so that at the point at which he, like, he's at rock bottom, Tommaso Ciampa sails back in as his white knight and lifts him back up and DIY are off and rolling. You didn't need to do this first. Yeah. You did not need to kill him to this degree so that Champ has to resuscitate him. Just have him already be over. And we're like, you know that thing we already like? Now we like it even more. Like, it's, it's, he does this. He's got this habit because he used to wrestle like that and he believes that's the way. I got to bury you uh, eight foot deep because then when you put that hand through the soil and you claw your way out, they're going to pop louder for you than ever before. No, it never happened. No. Rob Van Dam never recovered. Kane sucked anyway, but he never recovered. <laughs> Booker T never recovered. And on and on and on and on it went. But he's booking the same way he wrestled in that reign of terror. Sami Zayn versus AJ Styles were next. That was a load of fun, actually. Uh, Styles beat up Zayn initially. Zayn tripped him off the ropes. Uh, Styles come back, comes back, hits a rack bomb for two following a break. Uh, goes for this Styles clash. Uh, Zayn blocks it. It's a big boot and a nice brain buster for a two count. That looked good. Yeah. Uh, Styles hits some strikes back. Eats a boot by Zayn. Pele kick. They drop a message to the, to the GOAT. Messi gets mentioned here. Uh, Zayn counters a reverse DDT and suplexes Styles into the turnbuckles. Styles blocks a halluva kick. Puts him in a calf crusher, but Zayn just gets to the ropes for a rope break. Uh, rope break even. Uh, Sokoa makes... Rope break. Rope break. So Sokoa makes his way down through the crowd. Um, he looks like a monster. So yeah. I love him. Uh that allows uh, Zayn to put Styles uh, to get him with a schoolboy. Uh, Styles fights him off though, sets up for the phenomenal forearm. Instead, though, decides to assa- attack Sokoa before he can do the same to him. Uh, Zayn tries to help, uh, but Styles fights him off, sends him back into the ring. The rest checking on Styles and Sokoa nails Styles with a Simone st- spike, rolls him back in, and Zayn wins with a blue thunderbomb. I, I love it when the few occasions he wins with that because he earns that because of all the times he doesn't. Sami Zayn wasn't just picking his spots when he was working silly jackass matches and the like to like cheat and beat the WWE system. I think we're at the point now, and I've thought this for a little while, where, yes, he's not the El Generico of 10, 12 years ago, because it was 10, 12 years ago. It's yeah. okay to age. But he did keep enough in the tank that when a big storyline comes around that requires him to still be a great wrestler, he can be. Mm. This is not a one-off now. He's having several great matches in line with this push that is going to require him to be a narratively great wrestler too. When he teams up with Kevin Owens as a babyface, when he has to fight Roman Reigns, whatever it is, you've got to buy him as a wrestler. And we're seeing this slow climb back up to Sami Zayn being a very, very credible pro wrestler. Mm. Yes, he's winning with the help of the bloodline, but you're seeing within the body of the match that the Zane that you remember can still go. And it's important that he can, because if he was still faking it in ring, it wouldn't feel as earned when the babyface turn occurs. So I'm enjoying this to watch how Sami Zayn is just like going through the gears as a pro wrestler. There's something left in the tank for when he needs it most. Absolutely. Um, when Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn happens, I would like to preview because I've got a great spot for that match. Mm. Um, this was really quite good, mm. I thought. Um, other than the finish, like Sikwa hadn't done anything yet. I understand that they have to differentiate it from the whole leg sweep and all the rest of it, all the other things that the seconds do on the outside, but this was a bad alternative for me. I'm just so happy one with the blue thunderbomb. Mm. Get 100 more attempted pinfalls out of that now. <laughs> it clearly works. Uh, and post, post-match, post pissed off Postman Pierce. 
uh, comes out and screams at him to leave, and Zayn is loving it. The announced next week is the the absolute best of uh, WWE uh, in 2022, and that in two weeks it will be Austin Theory defending the US title against Seth Rollins. Speaking of which. Out he comes, uh, not to that theme. Uh, he's chuffed to be back in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, and he, get, he gets a welcome home chant, uh, and he says, oh, bloodline's attacking everyone but me, and uh, he says, Usi boys, tell your tribal chief, Mondays don't belong to Roman Reigns, they belong to Seth. Rick and Rollins! Uh, out comes Theory, to a decent amount of heat, actually. Uh, he does the, the whole champ is here line, and says this is just beginning of the Theory era. Um, and he says that Rollins is going to pass him the torch, and if he doesn't, Theory would take it from his cold, legendary hands. What? what? Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> appreciate that. Um, Rollins says, oh, careful, or you'll end up like Bobby Lashley. And Theory's like, yeah, you're lucky that Lashley took his frustrations out on officials and not you. Typical of your career, that, Seth. You've always been lucky. Um, you know, Rollins is like, well, I know you've you know changed, you've grown up, you're not a daddy's boy, and you're chosen one, etc. anymore. Um, and you know you're US champion, but you're, you're never going to be Seth Rollins. Uh, Theory's like, uh, well, how many times have you been given the ball and then fumbled it like the Chicago Bears? Uh, you're the third most successful member of the Shield. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Rollins says, uh, I didn't just reach the mountaintop. I am the damn mountaintop. Uh the man makes the title. I want to find out what kind of man you are. Let's have a bare-knuckle fight right now, then. Uh, but before Theory can respond, the Uso slide down to ringside, and Rollins goes, oh, all right, yeah, I know we've got issues, but we've got bigger problems right now. So they set up to fight the Usos, and Austin Theory brilliantly just goes, oh, I'm fine with you. See you. <laughs> Slides out of the ring. Um, Usos attack Rollins. Kevin Owens makes the save, clears the ring, Pierce and security run out again to, to get rid of the Usos, and Rollins and Owens challenge the Usos to a match, and Pierce makes it official. It was almost cliched, this, this verbal back and forth to me, an almost cliche of, like, we're going to say things that really are going to insult each other, when in fact you're kind of just burying each other's achievements. Yeah. And you're also lying to me because Seth Rollins is in the mountaintop. You can describe him as anything else, virtually anything else, and it would be convincing to me. He's not the mountaintop. He isn't. Um, as far as impromptu things go... This Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins thing was quite nice. I actually liked their interplay earlier this year. Yeah. And my God, they have a great segment subsequent yeah. to this. This, Yeah, this just played to two things I really like, which is whenever a heel looks like, oh, come on, then I'll help you out, and then changes their mind because they're absolute bastards. Oh, and Seamus did it when the entire Nexus ran out. And he's like, all right, John, we'll do it. Actually, no, forget it. Yeah, he just yeah. left. Like, it's <laughs> 10 of them or something. And I, I think we've all got a fondness for Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins as best mates. Yeah. Like, still, those tag matches and that January roll. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely ruled in their chemistry class. Uh, so just before Becky versus Bailey, you got a backstage promo from Becky uh, talking about the best version of Bailey being Bailey on her own. Um, you know, talks about them both rising up and changing the game. Uh, but when I did it, Becky says, I did it on my own. Um, I know that I, I had to take out those who were a threat, but I was disappointed that you took me out, Bailey, and did it with help. Um, is it going to be one on one tonight or one on three? Foreshadowing. Uh, win or lose, I'm going to die by my sword. But Bailey, can you say the same? Oh, that was a nice little down the camera thing. This, I yeah, I thought this was interesting foreshadowing for this Bailey babyface turn. We're all desperately forecasting. It wasn't going to. It was obviously foreshadowing for the result yeah. of the match, but it did feel like 
this would be the sort of thing where Becky Lynch is such a star that there, even her opponents are supposed to listen to her and to take a word and to mm. think about it a bit more. So this felt like a little bit of seed planting for the day that Damage Katarl does eventually implode, I thought. Uh, so yeah, the match itself, really fun back and forth. Uh, Bailey takes control because of Damage Katarl, as you mentioned there. Uh, after the break, though, Lynch fires back up, gets some near falls. Uh, she's getting back in the ring. Bailey catches her with a beautiful Bailey to belly for a two count. Lynch blocks the uh, rose plant, though, hits a sort of angle slam and diamond dust for a two count. That was a nice thing to see again. Um, Bailey goes for a cover with her feet on the ropes, but the ref catches her. Lynch goes for a manhandle slam, but Dakota Kai and Eos Guy pull Bailey out of the ring. Uh, and Lynch is furious. She uh, rages at them at ringside, grabs a TV mo- monitor, threatens to clatter them with that. Kai's taking the referee complaining. Um, Lynch decks her uh, as the ref gets rid of Kai, though. Um, Bailey grabs the monitor that Lynch has brought into the ring, clocks her with it, hits her with the rose plant. One, two, three. I didn't expect the result, so I was surprised by that. Um, it's probably, in hindsight, this this felt like it was hot-shotted, but if you're going to carry it on for a rematch, this was this was obviously a smart way to do it. Rather rumble, than just, maybe. Maybe, or, just or another, rumble, yeah, yeah. another TV match or a spot in the rumble or something like that. Uh, WWE need to, well, book better, ultimately, but need to book better so consistently that their crowds are louder and more invested in the programs and the matches. I don't like blaming crowds for anything. It's the like the job of the wrestlers and the bookers to get crowds invested. But I was rooting for this match far more than the people in the building were, and it was it's becoming a frustrating, so willing it, aren't frustrating yeah. thing for me as willing a viewer, where it's a thing that I like, where I think it's objectively good, and the wrestlers are doing the best possible job they can do with the material, and yet the crowd are just not interested. I, I don't want to lean on just blaming the fans. I thought the story wasn't yet ready for this match, so I sensed it would go like this and it would play out like this. This was a better match than the reaction it got, but I just don't want to blame the audience for that. Yeah, people aren't in the into the Bailey heel character whatsoever. I think that's been absolutely evident since um, SummerSlam. And the take in late 2019, early 2020, is that, Jesus Christ, every single town that AEW visits is a hot wrestling town. That's not true, which is a really hot product. The other end of that extreme... There's no such thing as a cold wrestling country. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what WWE is kind of playing in front of these days. And it's weird. Like, again, we've just said there's a million things that you can do. You can start miscasting your really talented wrestlers and actually have them be the baby faces that they can be. You can build matches. You can do better booking to build interest in matches. They just get away with that logo. That logo just hypnotizes people, and I will never understand it. But I'll tell you what. They are so starved for actually distinctive expressive professional wrestling that I don't think the world of sports sequence that people are raving about was particularly well worked. It was just unusual in a mm. WWE ring. So I think people went banana for it because of what, because it existed as opposed to how well it existed. Uh, so main be- event time before the main event. Yeah. You get Owens and Rollins in the back. Uh, so good. And they uh, talk about what great team they were in the past. And Rollins like, why did we stop? Uh, I can't remember. And Owens, as he did with the lights, is like, I remember. You tried to steal my WrestleMania <laughs> thing with Stone Cold Steve Austin, you prick. Ron's like, you sure about that? Ron's like, yeah, I'm 98% <laughs> sure that's what happened. And Ron's like, well, there's a 2% chance you're wrong. Uh, Kevin like, Owens went, no, no, I was just saying that to make you feel better. I was yeah. 100% <laughs> true. And he says, doesn't matter, look, it's all moot tonight. Uh, we've got a common goal. Let's take out the Usos. And Rollins is happy and he laughed, and laughed and left. And Owens is like, still got that laugh, huh? <laughs> I love Kevin Owens so much. And it was time for Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins versus Jimmy and Jay Uso. Uh, Uso's take control before we go to a break early on. 
regular thing that happens. This heels take control two minutes into the match. We go to a break. Come back. Rollins starts making a fiery comeback. Hits both Usos with a flying crossbody. Owens comes in. Hits Jim with a frog splash for two. Jay nails Rollins with a super kick though, and uh, Jimmy gets his knees up on a swanton from Owens. Um, down comes Solo Sokoa again at ringside, but Gallows and Anderson this time jump in for what happened earlier on. Uh, Jay hits him with a dive. Rollins hits a dive of his own. Rollins avoids a charge by Solo Sokoa, who nails the ring post. Rollins takes out Jay with a stomp, but as he's oh, oh, recovering against the barricade, Theory runs down from the crowd and clocks him with the U.S. title. So it's down to uh, Kevin Owens and Jimmy. They battle on the ropes. Jimmy uh, hits a super kick for a near fall, but then Owens blocks another super kick. Here's one of his own. Pop-up powerbomb. One, two, three. Post-match, Owens celebrates. Zayn slides in. You think, is he going to attack him? But Owens turns around. and There's a nice stare down before Zayn tucks his tail between his legs and leaves with the rest of the bloodline. Uh, uh, All-action main event featuring mostly all the most over characters on the show. So sort of a perfect WWE television main event. I think it was a tremendous compliment, considering what we've just been talking about with the Bailey-Becky match, a tremendous compliment to the work of Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins as babyfaces in this match, and the Kevin Owens character arc in general at the moment, that the fans did cheer when earlier on the bloodline were decking all the losers on the roster, and they were like, the fans want to see this, Mm -hmm. Postman Pierce. And then by the end, they were booing Sami Zayn and cheering Kevin Owens. It's... The alignments were right by the end. And it tells you that come the Royal Rumble match between Owens and Reigns or whatever, however all this plays out, the alignments will be right on the night there as well. Fans are invested in all of this, but are invested in all the right ways too. And I, I just think that's a, a credit to the mm. wrestlers involved. And, uh, and, the book, and the book in a bit, I suppose. This is fun. This is fun. I don't know if I agree with the result necessarily, but we'll, I can let this one play out. I can actually let the bloodline play out. Mm. Top dollar looking on thinking they're weak. We, they're got, weak. we got them on Friday. We got them. Last Friday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, we're going to have the NXT preview coming your way, of course, a little bit later on today. And you can still submit your five star review reviews for the new year. Um, just like Mr. and Mrs. Geo Ocon 357 did on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Just screenshot your uh, five-star rating. We need the proof. Obviously. Uh, and then email it to me, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 